your next big move podcast for anyone involved in the buying and selling of businesses that wants to know how to do it right. Hosted by Zorin and brought to you by Exclusive Business Sales. Sell your business with certainty. Welcome to the next episode of the Your Next Big Move podcast. Today, Zorin continues to provide practical advice and insights into critical entrepreneurial decisions, focusing particularly on those poised to make that all-important leap, selling their businesses. Listeners are in for a treat as Zorin engages in an enlightening conversation with guest speaker Manan Noorzi from Exclusive Business Sales. Known for his proven track record in facilitating seamless business sales transitions, Manan brings a wealth of expertise and practical knowledge to the discussion. The focus of this episode? The initial interview, a critical yet often underappreciated stage in the process of selling a business. Listeners can look forward to a thorough exploration of what to expect from this key interaction, gaining insights into the importance of setting expectations and establishing trust. Manon and Zoran will delve into the specifics of what to prepare for this initial interview, offering guidance on the essential information to have at your fingertips. Moreover, they'll discuss potential pitfalls and provide invaluable advice on the do's and don'ts that can significantly impact the entire selling process. With Manon's extensive expertise and Zoran's nuanced perspective as a seasoned guide, listeners can expect to gain a deeper understanding of the selling process. This episode is set to equip anyone contemplating their next big move with a greater sense of confidence and preparedness. Make sure you tune in. It's an episode not to be missed. Hi, Manon. How are you doing? Zoran, very well. Yourself? <laughs> very well. Let's do this. Listen, what we want okay. to do today is talk about so you're an analyst, and your job in our organization is to go and see people. That's right. Um, as a as a first step, when when, when business owners thinking of selling a business, you're the one that goes and investigates the business first That's in order right. to get them to 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 valuation stage and advise them on the process. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing that is really peculiar in, in in what you do is that you don't have that much time probably an hour, two hours with the owner and you got to build a report, but at the same time, you got to really get a good feel of the business. That's right. So what we figured, let's do podcast and explaining what you do and how you do it and why those two hours are very important and what you're trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. So that's what we want to talk about uh, today. So my first question for you is, uh, what preparation you do before you actually go and see the business? Yeah, good question, Soren. So, <clears throat> so I guess I uh, just to elaborate on what I do. So, my role is to uh, is the first point of contact. Um, I, I have have a first initial conversation with the business owner, establish what kind of business and what, what they're trying to um, what they're operating in. Um, from there, we organize a meeting where we really want to first just sort of introduce each other and uh, each other's business. So, really. What I want to do is get as much information as we can about their business, but also in the meantime, uh, give them as much information as we can uh, about our business, uh, about our process, how we sell businesses. Process in general about selling pro- uh, exactly. selling businesses. Uh, it's, it's really important because a lot of people think it's all about marketing and you find a buyer. But it's, <laughs> it's all about process. It's, it's all about process. Yeah, yeah. The, the, I said this to people, finding a buyer, it's easy. Getting, getting deal across the line, yes. it's a hard part. Yeah, that's right. So one of the first questions that you got here is, did you ask people, you actually asked them to tell you a bit about your business or what they business actually does yeah. but i would assume that you do some research and like if you're going to to see the business i would assume that you already know Absolutely. what the business yeah. is look so um yeah a lot of business get a little bit uh ticked off by this they're thinking you know you know you just come here and you you think we don't know uh, you know we haven't done any research on your business so look the reason we ask this is you know just in your own words describe what your business does is it's really important because we look at the business, we look at the website, we look at sort of find out some information about the business. And, you know, websites usually tell you a lot of information, the products and services, and usually a hundred things in there. So the idea is that we we ask the question from the from the, uh, from the the business owner that, look, a lot of the times you have a hundred services, you have a hundred products, but you have like 
one or two core products or services that really provide like 80% of your turnover. Yep. So we really want to know what those are because those are the, what the, the, the products and services are going to sort of convert the buyer. And also like stuff that businesses put out there, which is available to the public, it's customer facing. Yes. So it doesn't tell you what's happening at the back end of the business. And, Correct. Yeah. Um, you know, there could be different uh, uh, lines of business. There could, could be different products. So that's what you're looking for. That's right. Yeah. Um, then, then, then you ask about the strengths of the business. How long business been established, uh, and some details about history of the business. What, yeah. what, what are you trying to to uh, uncover there? I, again, so strengths of the business. Uh, these this can vary from a lot of things. It can be their operations. It can be their uh, competitiveness they could have an IP on a product or service that uh, not everyone has they could have intellectual property or, or a certain sort of brand that they only can sell within Australia so we really want to know what's their sort of uh, what's the edge they have on other people uh, if they do and we want to figure that out because if you know if there's a really important edge there then that's going to really help uh, increase the price of, of the of the business and the sell price what do you mean by edge well, um, if they have if they have a certain uh, product or service that no one else can get, that's an edge. That's mm -hmm. that's something that, that that no one else can. So some uniqueness, some, exactly. some unique point of difference. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Now, then you get into operational questions. Mm -hmm. Now, whole idea is with this questioning is to understand the business yes. in order to put yourself in the buyer's shoes. Mm -hmm and be able to actually put a value on this business. Correct. And we can talk about why valuing a business accurately is really, really important. But the whole process that we're going through is to actually understand the business and we're asking the questions that the buyers will want to know so we can assess the value of the business and mm -hmm. um, how the buyer is going to feel about it. Uh, so there's a lot of operational uh, uh, questions. Some are... Let's take this one. Sure. You're asking a lot of questions about the tenure and the lease, are the yeah. premises owned, lease, how, lo how long is the lease, if the premises are owned, what do they want for the uh, for the rent uh, once when they sell yeah. the business? Why is that important? Yeah, very question, good question. So look, uh, again, as you mentioned, we look at it really from a buyer's perspective, okay? Because uh, depending on the business, I mean, you can have a, a retail store, you can have a, a manufacturing uh, warehouse uh, somewhere, uh, out in you know uh, Sydney, we got we got to find out. Okay, if it's a retail store, well, a lot of your customers know where you are. So if the tenure for that is you know short term, it's not going to be extended. That's going to be an issue. Um, if it's a manufacturing plant, um, the the buyer wants to know how secure that that lease is because if they have to if they have to move uh, manufacturing, if they have to relocate to a different location, well, that's going to be very expensive cost, and that's that's going to be added to their sort of potential uh, buying price that they're going to offer. So that, that's really important. Um, so yeah, uh, just uh, manufacturing, and we're getting more and more manufacturing yeah. businesses in the moment. Manufacturing plants are not easy to move. They're it's not. very expensive. First, you need the power. I think it's a 400M that you need, and a lot of um, commercial buildings don't have that power. So upgrade of that power can cost money, and it can be very, very hard to obtain. Yeah. And then these machines, once when you take them from one place and move them to the other, it's, it's, it, this is not your uh, typical removal, couple of guys in the truck coming and move them. There's a special equipment needed. Yes. And then this, uh, once when you take that, those machines off and you install them in the other place, they need to commission. So there's interruption to the business. The move itself is very expensive, hundreds of thousands. But then you got the interruptions to the business. And chances are you're not going to take it and you're not going to take it in two days no. and move it so they may going to be a couple of weeks and then not everything's going to work uh, as exactly because because a lot of it's it's custom made for that factory right. <laughs> for that location it's it's certain designs certain um you know parts of the of the of the machinery that you're not able to replicate in a different warehouse. So again, more costs and more costs, which ultimately the buyer is going to know that. So, so this is a good tip for anybody that's listening to this. If you've got a manufacturing or anything that you depend on the lease, make sure that you got a very secure lease yes. before you take a business to the market. Long, good, secure lease. Yes. And, and often, I mean, th th there's we get a lot of uh, potential uh, vendors, sellers of the business that they own the property, which is good. 
but then they, we have, they have to be willing to sort of provide a, a flexible lease terms for the new buyer. Um, you know, most, most often uh, the, the new buyer is not going to want to buy the property as well as the business. So they want a secure lease. Yep. And eventually they might buy the property as well. But from the beginning, just for the capital investment required, they're not going to want to buy the property as well. So we, we, we <laughs> this interesting one because if somebody's selling a business mm. and they sell a property at the same time or wanting to sell a property and they can't sell the property to the buyer of the um, uh, uh, business, mm -hmm. they will want it to have as um, high and as good lease terms from the vendor's point of view mm -hmm. right. in order to improve the price of the property but that affects the price of the business and likelihood of selling so it's a kind of balancing act that you really have to be careful uh, that's about. right and that's what we've got to ask so, so first thing is if if they pro own their property we will we'll ask them you know how much is the rent because if it's a how much you want rent to be well, well exactly because if it's a market rent and you're happy to continue that rent then the price is going to be valid according to that. But if you're going to increase the rent on the new buyer, then that's going to be in accordance. So we're going to reduce the uh, overall. So we got to adju uh, adjust the um, financials. Absolutely. That's a good point because sometimes people pay less rent than what the fair market uh, value of the property. So you got to you actually lose some profits yes. uh, in the business. Good, good. And um, so then you're asking a lot of questions about policies and procedures. <laughs> How many of the, look, everybody's got a policy and procedures, yeah. like every business got some sort of policy and procedure. We've done a whole podcast uh, with John Tonkin about it. I'd encourage everybody to listen about policies and procedures. But when you, when you go and see the first business, how many do have a well-documented, usable policies and procedures in look, the business? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a tough one, this one, because... A lot say they do. Uh, they have some sort of a, 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 a document that's sitting in the hard drive somewhere <laughs> that hasn't been updated for a long time. It depends on the age and the kind of business it is. Um, a lot of uh, manufacturing, fabrication, these sort of businesses, um, they don't have really up-to-date procedures and manuals. It's a lot of sort of what the owner knows and, 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 and operates in. Um when it comes to online and when it comes to sort of tech businesses, there's, there's procedures and manuals in place because that's the nature of their business. It's all um, automated. Um, so yeah, it's it's going to be, uh, usually they, they this, once I have that conversation, they, the, the buyers start to get an idea that they maybe need to write something down on paper and, and they usually do, um, but often uh, they don't have much on place. Okay. So... Um uh, but, but there's another good tip. The reason why the procedures and uh, policies are important, or policies and procedures, is you're handing over your business to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And better documentation and instructions you've got to have about running that business, easier is to actually complete that transaction. Absolutely. So if you're thinking of selling a business, you do, well, you don't have uh, anything documented now. It's start to, time to start working on it. it at least slowly, get, get, the, get the main, most important, most crucial, critical procedures and at least document that. Yeah. Um, now, there are questions that you ask about uh, software used and like bookkeeping software, sorry, bookkeeping software. Yeah. And you're also asking about the databases, uh, that w which is more and more important, like a databases and online yeah. marketing. Absolutely. So... Explain to me in the in these questions, yeah. Like, so what are you trying to uncover? So Why is so that important? Software to you? required is, is is important because uh, look, most businesses they will use just a standard software off the off the shelf um, software. Um, so it's a zero MYOB. Yeah, uh, yeah. even just uh, you Big know, books. Uh, well, even just other softwares like Salesforce CRM softwares. Okay, CRM. Yeah, yeah. but um, um, most often, uh, you know, some some really detailed like. Larger businesses, they do have quite custom-made software uh, that is sort of you know designed according to their business needs, and and that's important to know that because those softwares have a have operating costs. They have to get updated. They have to sort of you need IT people for that. And if the IT people are you know are going to be moving to the new business, often they will. Often they will provide that service to the new. Um, well, there's no reason why they wouldn't. But you just got to make sure that that cost. Absolutely, is accounted uh, for. Sometimes the, the 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 business owner is quite IT savvy, 
and they have an idea on how to operate the software. And they're the ones that actually developed or adapted the bit. Yeah, that, that does happen. You know, so, so we just got to establish how that's going to be transferred to the new buyer, that software and all the sort of backend um, ideas behind it. So I'm getting a feeling that whole conversation about uh, all the questions that you're asking is about transferability of lack of. Yes. And absolutely. that impacts the, the, the price. Because these are all barriers that could, that could block the sale of the business. Um, if, if, it's, if, it's go- if all these little details are, are sort of hard to get over for the new buyer, then it's going to be one extra obstacle that's going to get in the way for them to finalize the transaction. Okay. Yeah. And um, uh, wh- wh- what about the accounting software? Yeah, uh, look, that's, um, that's important. I mean, there's different accounting software that people use. Um, and it's good to, I guess, keep a track of all your financials and, and, and how you operate. Uh, numbers are important uh, of the business. So um, whether you have a bookkeeper in-house or uh, external, it's good to have someone that... One good thing about the, most of accounting software at the moment is everything is very readily accessible online. Mm-hmm. So it's all based in cloud. So it, it does help with due diligence. Yes, It does help a conversation with the buyers. It, it does help uh, our investigation. And it does help uh, investigations from the buyer's point of view. Yes, that's yeah, right. People to get edgy to what degree they're going to give it, uh, at what time uh, access to, to, to their data. But there are ways that you can do this and protect the confidentiality and do it slowly in the stages. Yes. Now, then you get into talks about customers and marketing in general. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about customers what, really, what, really what, important. what do you want to know about the customers when when you're investigating um business? look it's so there's a few different uh there's a few different bits of information we can extrapolate once we get some answers so we really want to know who the customers are from the business owner that's i mean again they can have 100 customers but you know the core of the business could be 10 customers that are going to really give you 80 percent of their business so we really want to know how big those customers are, who are those customers, and also what what kind of relationship the business owner has with those customers. I mean, are they so business or business owner? Business and business owner both. Yeah. Okay, because uh, again, most often the business owner's part of the <laughs> is, is the business. Uh, you know, depending on on how it's operated, but uh, the business owner has a quite a large influence on on, on you know customers and and and. Um, and I think that's important as well, and we'll talk about that in the sales process. Um, but uh, so what kind of uh, relationship the business has with the, uh, with the customers and also how is that influenced by the business owner? Um, because if the business owner and, and the customers are, you know, are good friends and, and they, they know John, the business owner, and, and they like John, <laughs> but, you know, but like, and that's really important as well when it comes to how big those customers are. So, for example, if you have one customer that's giving you 30% of your turnover, that's going to, you know, and, and again, that there's a relationship between the business owner and that customer. Well, the business sells, that's going to affect the price potentially. Um, in my experience, most of the businesses do have exposure to several larger customers. In yeah. some instances, this is really drastic where you go to exposure to, you know, half of your business is coming from one customer or in some instances, all of your business is coming from yes. one customer. And so, so what we're looking here for is spread of the customer because uh, better your income, um, better spread of your customers, more customers you got, um, less risk you got in, in, in passing on this business because if you lose one or two customers, well, you haven't lost the business. But in my experience is that most of the businesses have exposure to one or two or three customers, they're larger customers, mm-hmm. uh, and ha- how's that handle? I mean, to what degree does have that has effect on the value of the business? Yeah, and how can this be mitigated I- I- in the transaction yeah. process? So I guess that comes down to how how large the business is, how large the corporation is. So yeah. if there's if it's a smaller business, you know, one owner and, and a few a couple of full timers, then there's a lot of involvement with the business owner in the business and with the relationship with the customers, and that poses a, a quite a larger risk. But if it's a larger uh, corporation business where there's uh, a few management uh, underneath. And that you know, a majority of them have uh, connections and relationships with the, with the, um, with the customers. And that's going to be transferred quite easier. 
So uh, to, to mitigate that, I think what needs to happen is the business owner has to realize that there has to be a training and transition period um, where they have to maybe work in the business for six to 12 months post-sale of the business. And again, depends on the business type uh, that they might have to slowly uh, you know, introduce the new buyer to the business, to the customers, and start to uh, step away from the business in the mm -hmm. meantime. And... <laughs> I'm always asked, like, what percentage is a good percentage? Like, is 10, 20, 30 percent? Like, to, to what degree uh, exposure to one or group of customer becomes a problem? And the answer, well, it depends on the business. It depends on your product. It depends uh, on, on many factors. But in general, uh, more customers, less exposure to, to concentrate the number of customers, better it is. Yeah, less than 10 percent is, is ideal. Um, if you have more than 10%, then this gets a little bit risky, but again, it depends but it's on not the a problem. Like again, in some businesses, it could be, yes. uh, but, but, but it doesn't have to. Uh, yeah, again, all this, uh, ultimately, uh, it, it's going to have a little bit of influence on the, on the potential buyer, but you know, if the buyer is aware of this industry, they're going to know, you know how, how they can handle that. Okay, and then you touched on this earlier. You mentioned the sales process. So the question is, well, once when we know that you've got exposure to the customer, then we start asking about the sale. Well, exposures to, everybody's got exposure to the customer. Yeah. <laughs> you've got a problem with the large large customer. Um, uh, the, 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 one of you uh, bigger customers. Mm -hmm. And then we're getting into the sales process. What are you trying to discover with this, you know, trying to understand the sales process and why is that important? Okay, so sales process is, you know, it's, it's what brings the money in. It's, just the, it's the revenue making part of the process. So what we're trying to establish here is how, how involved is the business owner in this part of the process, okay? Because this is something that is hard to, is hard to sort of sell. Let me, let me just interrupt you here for a second. What I found that often the business owners are the salespeople of the business. That's right, right. yeah. And that is the challenge often because good salespeople are very, very hard to find, yes. right? It's much, well, nothing is easy to find in the moment, but like I think it's easier to replace the engineer than a salesperson. Mm -hmm. And in most of the businesses, the salesperson or main salesperson is the owner. Yes. So once when you discover that, what do you do? What, what are your suggestions? Well, look, my suggestion is to start to... Uh, detach from that part of the process, introduce maybe someone that's in your team already that's sort of part of the admin team or part of the um, management team that can take... Or part of the sales team, but yeah, just doing... Yeah, absolutely. ...spec capacity. Yeah. Yeah. And look, they do probably sometimes have a sales team or salesperson, but the owner still likes to get involved in the process. And so what I'd like to say is just look, step away from that process as much as you can, because when a new buyer comes in, that's the first sort of questions they're going to ask is who who manages this process, who manages, and if we can say that, look, this, this particular team is here that they can handle the process after the purchase, that's going to give them a lot of confidence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, So uh, I, I would say step as much as you can away from that process. And then we're trying to establish, you know, that who who's going to be the main person selling the business. Now, there are some questions here that you're asking about, you know, exposure to the clients and the bad debts. And so I, I would assume that you're looking for the quality of customers or customer base that they have and that, that does have an impact of the business and the buyer is going to do the same yes absolutely so what are the uh, are there any um, warning signs that if um, you know talking to to clients about sales and marketing and if they say certain things they go okay we got a problem here <laughs> I think, uh, the, no, I mean, the main thing is, is if again, if, if you have a quite a large client, um, you know, some clients are 70, 80% of your turnover, yep. um, and they're large corporations, uh, you know, it's not sort of large, you know, multinational corporations where they have no sort of allegiance to any particular business. So, you know, there's no getting to them. It's just the management that they're in, in touch with. So if they, if they decide to, start to go a different um, direction. Yep. And that there's 78% of your turnover, that's going to be a big problem. But it's it's going to be a uh, bit of an issue. Now, we, we're getting into marketing questions. And what one thing 
that I know often people say, well, we don't do any marketing at all. It's just word of mouth. Uh, 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 but you're very specific. Like uh, this questionnaire is very specific and we're getting in where the leads are coming from, where the most of the leads coming from. And then there's a list of, you know, um, online marketing versus just a normal traditional marketing. Why are we trying to understand to this degree where the leads are coming from? Yeah. Um, look, it's this is it's an important part of the sort of process where we're trying to establish, you know, how much, you know, how much repeat clients that the business has, you know, how does the business, uh, you know, bring in its revenue in terms of um, in leads and inquiries, um, you know, obviously also how you know, exposed they are and how much, I guess, uh, you know, how much they sort of try to expand the business uh, in terms of the market. But we're trying to establish, first of all, leads and inquiries. So, um, you know, businesses have their own websites. Um, they do some sort of Google AdWords. But if, if, if a lot of the revenue comes from AdWords and Google, well, it's a lot of cost and, and, and you know, cost per click. Um, and so there's a lot of, um, you know, it, it can be very expensive. And there's a lot of risk as well because exactly. somebody's going to start, you know, and just overspend you and, and, and you got a problem. Correct. So, uh, yeah. But but there's also, you know, understanding marketing and understanding leads. And if you've got, a, you know, 10 different lead generation strategies and you can see exactly how much comes from which one, again, it demonstrates that we can transfer this because... When the buyer comes in and better he understands where the leads are coming from and he can see, well, okay, I understand every of these lead generation methods and I can see as long as I start keep on doing what the business is doing at the moment, this is going to continue, yes. increases their confidence and, you know, they, they, they'll they pay. It's going to be easier to do the deal and they'll pay better price. Yeah, it's, it's twofold. Uh, referral, obviously, it's, it's good to know that the business has a lot of referral customers, a, a lot of... So it, it kind of, I guess, also... Um, just maybe on the flip side of what you just said is it's also depending on the buyer they might see opportunities so for example a lot of business comes in terms of referrals and and just word of mouth um, they might the business the potential buyer might see opportunity that if they start advertising and marketing and doing all this that there's going to be potential room for growth as well so it's a little bit of a funny one because uh, yeah this, this, it, it works both, uh, it, it works both, both ways yeah both yeah. ways yeah, yeah. <laughs> fair enough um and um, um you mentioned referrals how do you? <laughs> I mean, people are getting refer referrals. Let's look. Let's use John that you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Is it John that's getting referrals, or is it the business that's getting referrals? And how do you know which one it is? Do you, do you, what questions do you need to ask the owner to actually figure out where the referrals coming from? Is that is that a personal relationship, or is it what the business does? That's a good question. Um, look, I, I guess uh, when we're trying to establish what kind of uh, potential customers they have. Um, we want to know, you know, again, it depends on how, <coughs> excuse me, it depends how involved John is in the sales process. That's when we're going to know, okay, how, you know, how much of the referral is coming. Yeah, to well, John is not involved in the sales process, yeah. but he plays golf with his buddies <laughs> and go, uh, uh, golf buddies give him a work. <laughs> and so these things are hard to establish, especially in the first meeting sometimes. Yeah, because you go well, like an hour yeah. too, but you're exactly. just trying to, to So I guess what, what I urge the, uh, the, the sellers and the vendors, uh, the, the people that may be watching this, is to just sort of be as, as, as upfront as possible about that because these things, uh, these questions that we're asking, it's gonna it's gonna come up at the sort of later stages of the of the process anyway. So it's better to address them and address these concerns and issues that we may sort of come up with, and 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 sort of have a bit more of a of a fine tuned proposal to the market rather than uh, you know sort of missing information or trying not to say something which they're gonna discover. And even if you if you if it's not a problem, if you try to to play it down, yes, it becomes a problem later on. Absolutely. Uh, suppliers. So now we want to know about the suppliers, and you know, initial reaction from the people is, well, who cares about suppliers? You know, they want to sell the product, but it's yeah. not that simple. Yeah. In a lot of cases, it is. Supplier comes, and you know, you, you, you buy when they supply you, and off you go. But sometimes you got some special, uh, specific relationships with the suppliers. Yeah. It could be, you know, exclusive marketing arrangement. Uh, it could be, uh, sorry, exclusive sales arrangement. It could be some sort of marketing arrangement that they actually give you the money to, to market their product. Mm -hmm. 
it could be specific lines that only you can sell. And often uh, these uh, agreements will have a change in control clause, meaning if you sell the business, well, they have to approve the um, buyer mm -hmm. because they're trying to protect themselves so you don't sell to their competition or competing uh, or, comp or somebody who's selling competing product. Um, anything else you want to say about suppliers? So, yeah, so so I just add on to what you just said, which is which is really important. Um, look for uh, other other uh, sort of issues that I've come across with suppliers and and, and uh, sellers need to be aware of this and and ultimately try to uh, mitigate this is um, you have your local Australian suppliers, which is you know you know you, you, your standard suppliers and they're all sort of Australian businesses and companies that. Are happy to pass on those agreements most often. Um, the, the the part the issue that will come across is when the suppliers are overseas. Okay, so you, you, you're producing uh, you know uh, really important products, sort of custom made products, uh, for example, in, in in warehouses and manufacturing plants in China um, uh, and any other other country. And so sometimes there's a there's a language barrier. Um, sometimes you know there's a lot of uh, capital that needs to be invested in, in in those countries, and you don't know who you're dealing with. Yeah. Um, so that can pose a, a big risk because um, often uh, the business owners have some sort of a connection with those factories and, and warehouses in those countries, and so um, you know just giving the confidence to the buyer that those can be transferred, um, having some sort of a, a strategy to sort of. Uh, transfer those uh, suppliers across it is important. Okay. And um, also, you know, there could be some specific, and uh, I'm saying this because we do have that issue at the moment, there could be some specific um, licensing or or approvals that those suppliers have to have. And there could be some change in, uh, you know, government policies. Mm -hmm. And those changes could affect those suppliers. And you may going to, you know, lose ability to purchase those products yep. until they, um, you know, adjust to the change. Adjust to the regulations, yeah. yeah. Now, employees, you're getting in questions about employees. Yes. So when we're talking about employees, what do you want to know? Okay. So, look, employees, how many employees do you have in general? Uh, what's the total? Uh, we want to break it down to full-time, part-time, contractors, and casuals. So full-time, obviously, you know, there's a really – well-invested people in the business. Um, we want to know, sort of get an idea of who they are. Uh, Part-timers, uh, contractors, I, and that's an important part of the business. You know, how they, how, what's the relationship between those contractors? How involved are they in the business? Um, because they, they usually don't have any sort of, you know, commitment to you. <laughs> they, they, they go out, out, out when they work with, they can work with anyone. Uh, and then casuals as well. So depending on the business, this, these can vary between a lot of casuals and a lot of full-timers. Um, but the most important thing is we want to know who the crucial employees are in that business, who the crucial people are. Why is are. that important? Well, because often they're very hard to replace. Mm -hmm. Okay, These people have tend to have five to ten years' experience within the company. They know the, the ins and outs of the business. They have idea on operations. They have idea on the they have connection with the staff. So they are going to be critical people in the business that uh, often um, are going to be hard to replicate. And and the the problem is also is the relationship the um, business owner has with these people. Okay, so um, you know if if they decide to sell the business, uh, are these crucial employees are going to be willing to be sticking around? And often crucial employees could be family members that don't own the business. Absolutely. So, you know, father may go and run the business, but he's got a son and daughter in the business that get wage and they're really crucial import. Uh, and that, 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 that raises the issue from the buyer's point of view, right? Even if the son and daughter might want to stick around, um, it's still still a gray area because how how long are they going to stick around for? And are they saying that just to help a father sell the business and they're going to bail out afterwards? Well, also, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then the, the other thing is, you know, obviously being part of the, uh, having connections with the business owner, they have certain, certain comforts and, and, and leisures and, and timing and flexibility that they may not be able to uh, have when a new business owner comes on. Um, mm. So, so we got to we got to figure out how how strict are, are their timetable, and you know what, and they pay. O often the question is if uh, if the owner has a um, um, sons or daughters in the business, 
first question is why don't they take over the business? Why yes. do they buy the business? I've had a lot of businesses that, you know, siblings were in the business um, and they didn't want to buy a business because not everybody wants to own the business. Some people are just happy working in the business, mm -hmm. someone else's business, getting a wage because while the business gives you a lot of benefits, it comes with a lot of problems as well. And some well, people just don't want those problems. Well, exactly. I mean, I'm sure, I guess the, the son and daughter would have seen their father go through all these tumultuous <laughs> events in their life. You know, mom's getting annoyed. So I'm sure they don't want, you know, their, their life to be replicating that. Yeah. <laughs> it gets hard. Well, some, some, some do. Some do. Some do. Um, and um, anything else about employees? Um, again, again, just comes down to how easy to replace staff in general. Um, you know, we want to know if, if someone leaves. I guess it depends on the business type and what they do. But um, I mean, these days a lot of it's going to be no. Um, everyone's finding how to replace staff. Doesn't matter who the what the position is. So um, so and 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 I guess a lot of just to give uh, the um, the potential business owners that are looking to sell. Uh, some sort of relief that a lot of buyers understand this as well and, and know that it's, it's generally hard to replace staff. So they're not going to put a, a lot of, um, you know, bad price onto this. Mm -hmm. Now, um, we, we're starting to ask questions about ownership. Who owns the business? How many people, how many owners are working in the business? Are there any siblings wor working in the business which we just talked about? Uh, but is there a difference if you've got one owner and three owners and, and why? Well, there is a difference. The I know the answer. There is a difference um, in terms of uh, decision making. Yep. Um, and 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 I guess also how how so so we talked about employees, but how what's the spread? So there's one owner. Okay, the general manager usually the general operations and just oversee everything. But if there's two or three owners, they each have their own intricate role in the business, and they all got crucial positions. Correct. Yeah. yeah so so. And then the question is, how are we going to replace these crucial positions? Because one of them might be in charge of sales and marketing, one of them will be in charge of operations, and one of them will be in charge of, you know, procurement, um, you know, overseas. Uh, so we just want to figure. So out all of a sudden, you, a new person is coming in the in the business, and he can only do work of one person, but he needs to press, uh, replace another two positions at the same time, and they're all crucial positions. Yes. It does have affect the process and it does affect the value. It's it's a, it's it's, it's a, I guess it's a twofold to that as well. So yeah. sometimes uh, you know because there's three owners, they kind of expand their work a little bit more than what it should be because they want to just all have a bit of an involvement in the business. So it may be possible that one owner, that one particular buyer, can do two people's role. Uh, often maybe it's not a a, a big split. Uh, yeah. It could be just that sort of they just you know. Uh, uh, spending time on the business but so maybe sometimes you can compact it to two roles and one one extra yeah. uh, so one and one um and that and that can happen as well so we just want to know how involved and how many hours a week they work, they work in the business so those three owners they might actually work about you know 15 20 hours a week in the business each so they might think okay well actually you know that one owner could do two people's role often um, um all these things that we're talking about all these um non-financial parts of the business in my opinion are more important yes. for sales and um, longevity of the business after the uh, purchase than financial parts absolutely it's because look the financials is what's going to get them through the door uh, but to convert them to get them across the line and to actually buying the business is we need to we need to address these concerns that they may have. Uh, that, that's uh, that, that's very well put. I'll I'll inquire about the business because I see the profits in the business. Yes. But if I'm going to complete this sale, it depends on these questions because how much risk do I see, yes. and can I actually mitigate that risk after? And the can budget? I replicate what they do yeah. after the sale of the business? Correct. Any other questions that you ask? Look, just in general, uh, you know. What, uh, equipment uh, assets of the business. So uh, tell me about the assets. So so uh, look, we look at the balance sheet of the business, but often that's not going to be a true reflection of the market value of the assets of the business. So we just want to get an idea of what they perceive the assets to be of the business. If it's quite a large um, part of the sort of business, um, if, you know, quite a heavy, heavy asset business, 
then what we want to do is establish uh, some sort of a market value for them, and then we recommend uh, to to speak to uh, you know asset valuer to to uh, get it. So we, so we get a proper asset value exactly because we can we can go off rough numbers, but it's not gonna it's not. No, gonna let, let me let me stop you here. Um, you kind of wanted to just brush through these assets, but I no. think they're important. Sure. Uh, often people think it's a business goodwill plus the asset. It doesn't work like that. No. Value of the business is a total investment. Uh, as, so how the value of the assets impact the value of the business then? Yeah. Yeah, so it, it, it's really important that we establish what the assets of the business are and what, how much they would be in the market value. Um, because ultimately that's going to, like you said, it's, it's going to influence what the investment of the business, investment, uh, you know, is from for the business. So, so the price of the business. Um, I mean, let's just take an example. For example, if 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 you got a business that's worth two million dollars, but you have to buy another two million dollars worth of assets, well, that's a four million dollar investment. Um, whereas another business could be valued at two million dollars with the goodwill and the and, and income and no assets and no assets. So, right. which way are you going to go? And they're making same profit. Same profit. Right. Exactly, but also so why, so okay. So if the assets don't influence the value of the business in this particular example, why do you want to know the value of the assets? Well, we're trying to establish, you know, if if what the asset, what the value of the asset is, um, is it is it is it good? Is it good quality assets? Is it sellable? Another thing is you, you can leverage those assets and you can borrow money against those assets, which That's then true. that can improve the, the the value of the business. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so another thing is when you're going through the assets, often we find the assets in the business they're not used in the business. Uh, maybe they're used in the past and not used, or purchased and not used. Um, so you can separate those assets if they're not needed for the value of the for for the operation of the business. You can separate them and sell them separately. Yep. So that's how you can get an extra value. Yeah, you get extra get get an extra payout because exactly sometimes you've bought machinery that you've used for one particular project, but you actually don't need that anymore. So again, um, we we we're going to. What potential exclusions and inclusions will be of the assets? Yeah, okay, let's don't get into valuation. That's uh, <laughs> that's uh, that's a long lo- long conversation. Yeah. Now, uh, and all the wages paid and fair market wage. I mean, all the all, all the wages that you're paying a fair market wage. Um, okay, what we're not suggesting here that people pay people below the market value uh, or doing anything illegal, but often um, the owners will pay themselves. Wages they are not fair market wage. They are going to pay themselves more. They would uh, they're really worth or less because it's tax beneficial one way or the other to them. Yes. And th- th- those things need to be known and understood in order to adjust. Uh, the yeah. So problem. so so we ask uh, sometimes um, business owners get a bit weary because we ask for payroll summaries of and financials from them uh, with payroll summaries. Now. Th- that's the reason we're trying to establish is what they've been paying themselves, um, what they've been paying with maybe they paid their wife uh, an income as well, or their, or their income spouse uh, split, yeah, correct, um, or they paid, uh, you know, and again, if there's any family working in their business, what they've been paying as well. So we're trying to establish what's the, you know, if if they've been overpaying themselves, you know, what's a fair market wage for that potential role of the business, and then I guess ideally what we want to do is add extra. Um, profit to the business because what we do is we add it back and then we just allow for well it's not adding it's just being realistic about whatever it is yeah yeah yeah. okay what other questions do you ask um look obviously insurance policies are most of most businesses are maintained but we ask that question (laughs) well (laughs) (laughs) i have had instances where the uh, people are uh, underinsured yeah and it was in uh, one case it was uh, a two operator was definitely underinsured, so it does impact the uh, 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 profit that you actually take. So it's taking a risk with being underinsured. Uh, in the other case, uh, I had an instance that they were unable to actually obtain the insurances because they had so many claims. It was a construction company, about hundred vehicles on the road, and pretty much could not um, insure anymore. No, no one wanted to insure them because of all the claims that they had. Yeah. So it's an important question. In most of the cases is just. You just tick the box. Yeah. But if you find a problem now, it's an opportunity to address it before it's going to impact the, impact the valuation by the sales process as well. So yeah, you address good, it. good point. I guess uh, another example is uh, a lot of engineering firms 
are finding it hard to get insurance. Um, so so that's a it's a positive as well because some people you can't get, even get insurance um, depending on how old your business is. If you have a new, relative new engineering, for example, firm, it's hard to get even insurance from mm. insurance companies. Yeah. So that's the issue that I've been having as well. But yeah, very, very valid points. Any other questions? Uh, look, honors have discouraged all material fact that it could affect business operations. Yeah, that's important. That's important because um, you can't, you, you know, not tell people if you're really aware of the issues of the business. So really honesty is on the seller mm -hmm. to disclose. Uh, look, there are unknowns, fair enough, but if you know something that's, that's definitely impacting the business, we really need to know that at the beginning that needs to be disclosed to the buyer. Um, and in most of the cases, if you don't disclose any serious material issues, they will be discovered through the process. So you're going to go through months of work and in the end you're going to lose the deal because you didn't tell them at the beginning. Another issue with that is it could be a small issue that if discovered by the buyer but not disclosed by the seller, it becomes a deal killer. because Not just because they discovered the issue, but now the trust is broken and they're saying, hey, what else are you not telling yeah, me? Very, right. very valid, yes. And the worst case is you don't tell them and they don't discover and they purchase a business and then appears later on and then we end up into this uh, messy legal battle over, you know, who done who wrong here. So you really, really have obligation as a seller to disclose all material facts that could affect yeah, the operation and business. Exactly. And this, again, I think you probably have more experience with it working at the back end of it as well, um, is that these things come out um, out of the wash uh, later on. So it's best to address them and, 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 and earn that trust rather than, you know, uh, coming out later on. Now we've got the stock, all right? So, so we, we yeah. have a conversation about this. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Why Look, <laughs> this is a, yeah, yeah, let's, let's talk it's, about it's, it. It's a big one. It's a yeah. big one. Often, like especially businesses that we're operating for 20, uh, 20 years, they will have a stock that was accumulated over 20 years, and some of them was not touched or used for three, four, five years. Sure enough, you may gonna need it one day, but you may not. Yes. So, f first of all, value of the stock is not what you're selling a stock for, but what you paid for it, including shipment and you know if it's overseas landed in Australia. Yeah. Now, se second point that I want to talk about the stock: not all stock is the same. So, in general, anything that's older than 12, 12 months and it's not being sold often enough. It needs to be discounted. Mm -hmm. you, you, you got any comments on that? Yeah, stock is so stock is. I would say it's 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 similar to the assets that we talked about, the equipment of the business. Um, it, it can affect the value of the business as well because often businesses sometimes will have to carry a lot of stock, um, stock that you know they need to operate the business. It, it could be raw stock, uh, and it could be finished stock as well. So they need to keep raw stock to produce the product, and then it could be finished stock. They need to keep there so they so buyers so they can supply for correct. So so this this has a big impact on the on the potential um, price of the business, um, and and obviously you know a lot of business owners out there have been uh, affected by COVID delays and 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 restrictions. So so they they ha they've been sort of kind of. A bit paranoid about stocks, so they've actually overpurchased stock. So what we're trying to establish here is what's the stock that you're currently keeping, and what's the required amount of stock. Okay, okay? because if you're over overcapitalizing stock, but that's actually what you don't you don't need that much stock. Then we're trying to establish okay, maybe you need five, you have five hundred thousand worth of stock, but you actually need about two hundred thousand worth of stock. So what we what we just recommend to the potential um, to the business owners look, start to reduce your stock values because ultimately that's going to influence your price. Uh, we're going to have to add it on to the price. Or if uh, you can reduce the stock that quickly, you can do some sort of deals on consignment or whatever it is, yeah. post-purchase. But the ideal situation, have a only amount of stock that's required for operation of the business. Um, statutory obligations and uh, all licenses and, uh, and, and um, approvals um, to 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 be in place, 
so you're asking questions about it. And again, it sounds funny. People say, well, of course it is. The amount of times that we actually discover this, that business, you know, one example that comes to mind is, you know, they were handling uh, dangerous goods from the factory and they didn't have approval for dangerous goods uh, storage. So we had to go, after taking business in the market and discovering this, we had to pause everything and spend six months obtaining these things because you got to go through a process. There was nothing wrong. The, the, the place was run properly and accurate, but just didn't have approval. The approvals is the other one. Like, you know, business starts 20 years ago doing yeah. something else and then changes right. to something else yeah. and runs without the, the approval. A lot of mezzanine floors around the country yeah, <laughs> without any approval. And that's not a problem for the current uh, owner. Yeah. But person buying a business... It poses a risk. It poses a risk, yeah. absolutely. Um, yeah, look, well, your points are, are fair. I haven't had, I haven't come across too many issues in, in this regard. Um, but but just as Zoran pointed out, I think you know, if you have those issues, you address them as soon as you can. Yeah. And uh, now we also talk about, uh, as you go through these questions, you, you're trying to figure out how complex the, the business is and how easy or how hard is to pass this to future uh, buyer. Now, uh, there is a t conversation here about the handover of the business. Mm -hmm. So how do you establish how long will take for the handover, how long handover of the business needs to be in order to pass this business based on you know questions that you ask in this meeting? Or do you address this or do you leave that for the later stage? How, yeah. how does it work? Because some sort of, often people ask me, like, how long do I have to stay in a business? Is it two weeks, three months, six months, three years? So how do you establish that? Yeah. It, it all depends on what kind of business it is. Mm -hmm. um, but we do ask, you know, I guess in terms of training and transition and handover period, I mean, typical, typical, uh, you know, expected as about two to four weeks is just sort of like, you know, pass on the keys and, 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 and the processes. But it, it really depends on, and again, the questions we asked previously is, are there operational and procedures in place? Uh, you know, how involved is owner in the sales process? And these are going to... How involved in operations? Exactly. Of the business, so, yeah. and these are all, all these questions kind of come to these sort of final, uh, you know, outcomes as, as to how long they're going to be have to sticking, uh, stick around in the business. Yeah. So, um, you know, often it could be six to 12 months. Um, and, and we've got to ask this question as well, because are they, as a seller, willing to stick around for six to 12 months? Um, you know, are they, uh, uh, do they have a plan to go on a holiday, you know, in the end of the year and, and, and they're not going to come back? So we've got to address those, uh, you know, if there's, there's things like that that's going to happen, we've got to address that. And we're going to, you know, I guess, advise the seller that they may need to stick around for longer after the sale of the business um, to complete the purchase. Okay, so once when you understand the business and you ask all these questions about the business, okay, the financials are separate. So you're obviously going to request, you know, some profit and loss statements, balance sheet. Um, uh, you mentioned breakup of salaries and wages, uh, summaries and whatnot. But th there's two parts to, to, to valuing and selling a business. One is a profit that the business generates or loss sometimes. Yep. <laughs> so the financial part and the other one is operational part, which is non-financial, which in my opinion is is if not more important at least as equally as important as, as financials yep. but then you ask some serious personal questions here all right uh, one of them is reasons for sale mm -hmm. and buyers always want to know why somebody's selling a business i believe the reason why they want to know is unless there's a real reason and it's a good business there's something else going on that's what i think all right <laughs> so what do you want to find out when you ask a reason for selling a business? Yeah, look, uh, th that's, I guess, one of the first questions. I mean, we asked at the end, but the first couple of questions the, the buyer's going to ask is, what's the reason you're thinking of selling? Um, so we have to establish that. We have to establish, you know, are you, is, is, the, is the business owner retiring? Um, they may have other ventures they want to sort of move into. And so if they have other ventures, um, you know, is this, is this business sort of is it still good? Is it still, is it still good business to continue operating? So we want to, and obviously, why is the timing right now, right now? Um, and there's a lot of other reasons, but I guess we're trying to establish, you know, what those reasons are, 
And if you're just selling just to sort of, you know, because you, you just, you know, not really um, care, you, you don't really want to spend a lot of time on the business, you just had enough of it, that's fine as well. So we just need to establish, you know, that. But there could be, there could be other reasons, like, for example, you're in financial difficulty and often sellers trying to play that down. Yes. But I really believe whatever the reason is, be honest, put it out there, yeah. because from the buyer's point of view, they go, okay, pressure right there. Uh, um, did I say this properly? Fre anyway. Breath um, of fresh air. Breath of fresh air. <laughs> breath of fresh air. Thank you. Uh, uh, because, hey, okay, th this guy is really open and honest, so I can trust the process and I can trust the person. Yes. So, so playing down the real reason, and the reason why people, and sometimes look, it could be health issue or whatever it is, another reason why people want to play it down is they're afraid that it's going to be used against them. Oh, I know that you're under pressure, so now I'm going to actually drive the hard bargain as a, as a seller, as a, as a buyer. But opposite is true, because if you disclose your real reason, and let's say it's pressing reason, and, 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 and you're under a very short period of time that you got to execute the sale, you disclose to this to more than one buyer, then you're gonna get this competitive bidding, and you're actually gonna get much better price out of it. Yeah, but but, but it's a touchy subject, yeah, you know. It is, and but you know, buyers get confidence as well that it's actually a valid reason. Um, the second part to that, I, I want to just sort of uh, touch on is um, what are their post sale plans? So let's say they are they they've made quite a bit of money, and and now they're selling the business and. and, and and, and they're getting a good um, selling price out of it. We want to really want to establish is what are their plans after? Because oftentimes what happens is, you know, again, business owners out there just sort of uh, ask this question to yourself because what tends to happen is we get the business to the market, we, we find potential buyers, but if you don't have any plans that you've sort of thought about afterwards, you're just going to sit at home and just sort of count your, your, your money um, it's not it's not going to be enough to motivate you so we really need to figure out what you want to do after because um, oftentimes we take the business to the market we, we at, at the sort of you know uh, at the finish line you could say um, contracts are about to be signed and, and then the, the business owner gets cold feet and then realizes what am I going to do after I sell yeah. this I've built this up for the past 20 years and now it's uh, you know it's, it's, it's what am I going to do so you really have to figure out what are your motivations and what you're planning to do afterwards. Um, if you want to golf all day, beautiful, but just, I guess, establish that and ask that question to yourself. And be certain about it, that exactly. this is what you want to do. Because the process is not easy. It's a long process. It's expensive process. Yes. Um, you know, because you've got to involve other consultants and everything else. But it's also expensive because... Once you take a business on the market, you may not going to do that investment. You may, you're not going to be making decisions for growth of the business. Mm -hmm. So the business can decline as well through the process if, if not executed properly. So you really have to be certain that you want to sell. If you're not 100% certain, don't put the business on the market, in my opinion. I agree. Anything else? Um, and, and then I guess it depends on uh, you know what the sort of response is. We've got to ask what the plan B is as well. Okay, So plan B of if the business does not sell, What's their plan B? And it can sell, and it can sell for for many reasons. But if they have a high expectations of a price and it doesn't sell for the price, what's their plan B? Are they gonna Are they gonna give it to their kids? Are they gonna have a manager that's gonna take over? I mean, all these things are also a, a large headache because you still have to be. It's in, it's in the back of your mind. So if and it could be a potential like I'm gonna close it down. Um, so rather than going through all that, um, you know other plans let's talk about what your plans are if, if it doesn't sell and so and if those are your your sort of only plans that you have then we can sort of say look let's just see if we can uh, work around the price and, and find a buyer for it rather than doing these other less, plan b and yeah let's and, 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 see and yeah. whatever it is yeah and look i think we had a really good conversation here and it shows that it's not just um it's not just financial but it's a very very emotional Process. And personal process. And personal process, yes. yes. And, uh, you know, for anybody listening out there, be, be suspicious on the, of the valuations of the business. They are like a spreadsheet valuations. And be suspicious of anybody. <laughs> maybe suspicious <laughs> is not the right word. But if you've got any advisors and just say, okay, send me your financials and I'll tell you what the business is worth, 
just just be very careful because this second the, this part that we just talked about yeah. which is this personal emotional non-financial part the, the the risk part of the business it does have a much bigger bigger impact on sellability of your business and value of the business than what your profit and loss statement shows yeah. and your balance sheet as well absolutely well i think this was good enough for one podcast I and mean, maybe we can talk about this forever yeah. in a day <laughs> but, I uh, but I, I think I think it was really good and I hope people get uh, a lot out of this I hope so too yeah, it's great thanks Manan thank you very much Zoran need help selling your business buying a business or a business valuation exclusive business sales award-winning team are here to help our experience skill expertise and professionalism backed by our triple guarantee is assurance for your success the largest network of buyers and our national coverage will help you throughout australia in all state capitals and regional areas exclusive business sales sell your business with certainty